no, Bo-Katan's big. His pronouns are they, them. <laughs> Start your sublight engines. It's time for RuPop's Pod Race, a queer Star Wars podcast. Welcome back to another week of chaos. My name is Ollie. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on social media at Ollie Fresh. Uh, it's fresh with a PH. And my gender this week is your name slash Trapper Wolf. No. I feel like I've just been no. literally a brick to the head. Like I said about a I lot of things. Hate you. I had to process for a second and realize what you just did to me. Somebody look on AO3. Is that, does that already exist? Hi, my name is Claudia. Um, my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-I-A says. My gender of the week is Canon Union member, Canon Jarris. Hashtag Ayatsi Strong. Um, <laughs> uh, shout out to the potential uh, Hollywood strike happening, but um. If you read A New Dawn, Kanan Jarrus uh, is, I don't know if he, if they say explicitly that he's in a union, but he is uh, some form of industrial worker, and I, I do feel like he, he has solidarity with the people, and that's a part of the plot of the book, so um, shout out to Kanan and his union organizer era, I just, I love that for him. Hi, my name is Jess, my pronouns are they, them. You can find me on TikTok and Twitter at Kawaii Jessio. And my gender this week is Jess and Marcion Rowe are the same person. This is a Hotful Boyfriend AU fanfic. I will be receiving no criticism at this time. Thank you. Next person. I'm Noah. My pronouns are he, him. You can find me on TikTok at The Jewish Jedi. And my gender this week, which I should preface, is only funny to me is my favorite polycule 2-methyl-3-diethylpropane, um, which is the name of the organic molecule that is the same shape as the Stellan Avar Elzar Tyuric and several others polycule. What the fuck out, you fucking nerd. I said it would only be funny to me, okay? Also, that is not, if anyone listens to this and that is not the actual chemical structure, don't come for me. I started Ochem two weeks ago. Hi, my name is Mel. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on social media at Grunkle Rex. Um, and my gender this week is Korsh Panaka's Girl Boss Avengers. So yeah, so in this episode, we are going to be talking about a couple of ships that we all like. Everyone has brought one to the table and we are going to go through them, talk about some of the things we like about them, you know, why they're important to us, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, but let's go ahead and get into it. Is everyone ready? I feel like we should have the disclaimer that, like, I mean, I guess each of us will talk about, like, if this is our, like, number one favorite ship, because I know for some of these it was, like, there are certain ships that are either canon or, like, that everybody agrees on that we were, like, these do not need an argument for them. They didn't need an extra push. Um, but So we just chose ones we wanted to talk about today. That doesn't mean other ones we don't value as much. <laughs> um, I know that Claudia just kind of said that, you know, this isn't necessarily everyone's favorite ship or this isn't necessarily like super popular or whatever. Um, I take issue with both of those statements because the one I picked today that I know is probably going to be a huge shocker for everyone who knows me, but it is Callus and Zeb. Oh my God. I know. I bet you guys didn't know that I uh, cared about oh those God, two. You're a Kalazeb shipper. Yeah, I'm coming out as a Kalazeb shipper. What part of Star Wars are they from? But that's a really good question. So they're actually from this really cool show. It's called Star Wars Rebels. It was on Disney XD. Um, no, but <laughs> I do want to talk about them a little bit because they're very important to me. And um, 
I just think they're super neat. Um, I think something that really resonates with me about them is like their ending. Cause I did watch rebels like all at once. Like I didn't watch it when it was coming out. Um, so I watched it very quickly and I think I already knew that Callus was going to join the rebellion. So I wasn't watching it in the state of mind being like, Whoa, what's happening. Um, but that ending that the two of them have together is so special. I think they're one of the few like popular like ships that like really ended up together. So it's like their ending was like intentionally left ambiguous. So you could look at that and be like, yeah, like I can fully believe that the two of them went on and got married and settled down and have a life together on Lyrison. And there's nothing in canon at all that says that that's not the case a good old um, Korasami yeah no I mean yeah absolutely I mean it is very much like that except unfortunately there is no comic of the two of them going on fun little gay adventures as much as I would like that um if anyone would like to contact me I have ideas but yeah I think their ending is just it's just very good there's a fine line between when you're a homo watching TV and being like, these are gay because I like them. And these are gay because the text is really kind of going there. And I remember like my experience of watching Rebels was like, I saw like the more and more interactions they had, I was like, now wait a minute. I was like, something is ha- like, something is is brewing here, which I think is funny because like a lot of gay ships, as fun as they are, are very much like kind of wishful thinking. But I remember seeing the ending for Kalazam and being like, okay, so we all watched this, right? Like we all saw that they they met the parents. How many of you guys watched watched Rebels as it was coming out? Not me. So I, I'm the only one who did. Um, I literally just watched Rebels earlier this year. Uh, um. So I what Noah just said is exactly how people felt because, like, in that last season of Rebels, like, obviously there's a lot going on. A lot of crazy shit does go down, and you're very sad and. It was very step on the gas. Obviously, the sequels were coming out. Just There was a lot happening, and there was a big gap between season two and season three, and then, uh, you know, then season three comes out, and then season four, and it was just like, wait, hold on. Wait a minute. Pause. This is a little fruity. Hold on. And they were like, and he meets his parents, and it was like, I'm sorry? Like... It, I, I I did feel clubbed over the head by it. I also make the Korosami joke because I did also watch that as it happened live. It did feel the same where it was like, didn't see that one fucking coming. Um, uh, I felt like hit over the head with a brick with it. Um, not that there wasn't stuff building up to it. It was just like, wait a minute. Is this? Like, are oh, they wait, going wait. there? Yeah, literally. Yeah. I, I no, was literally like, Star Wars is doing what? I did also watch Korosami happen live. So I know that feeling quite deeply. Um, I think just like, this was something I saw in a TikTok like months and months ago, but it was saying like one of the things that does set them apart is that it really is like supported by the text, even if it isn't like explicitly confirmed because there's a line, I can't remember exactly what the line is that Sabine says when she's doing the narration about like where all the rebels gang ended up. And she does say like, they went back to Lyrasan and they accepted Callus with open arms as one of their own. And I was like, oh, hello? I feel like they're also one of those ships where like, like when you get there you're like okay these bitches gay and then as you as you look back through earlier moments in the show you're like so 
this has been there for a while. Like, I, 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 the, my brain is connected that Korosami and Kalazeb are halfway there to the exact same ship. Because the thing about Korosami that was funny is that once it happened in season four, I was like looking back at the rest of the show and being like, they've been gay the whole time. And it was sort of this like, I noticed it while it was happening while I was watching Rebels, but when it like, when the very end came, I was like, I have to go back. I have to know what's happening right now. I don't tend to rewatch things and I'm rewatching Rebels right now. Now I'm on my second rewatch because I'm showing it to other people. And because I saw as it was coming out, so I haven't had that context, whatever. Um, seeing those first two seasons now with that context does make me feel crazy. Um, they, like my friends know that I like Calzeb, whatever. And they were like, is that and I was like oh no just purge that from your brain or whatever and I'm sitting there absolutely freaking out because I'm like the, the dots the dots they were always there and and they were much more there than with Korosami because with Korosami like they've admitted they were like yeah we just kind of thought like oh this would happen yeah sure fuck it and then like the third or fourth season but like Dave Filoni has said he he ha he's been like yeah if you guys want much like Mark Hamill he's been like yeah if you guys want it to be gay it's gay but it is a it is a love story between two men, um, whether they're friends or, or otherwise. He has explicitly said that. Um, he's like, it is about the love between them. Um, you know, I, I like to leave it open to interpretation of what that means to you. But he has always meant it that way. And going back to watch it makes me feel fucking bonkers. Absolutely. Um, so... I watched Rebels for the first time this year, and in the time since, I have rewatched it six times. Truly, like, maybe every, like, two to three weeks, I'm like, I'm going to rewatch Rebels. Um, let that be with, like, friends or just out of enjoyment. When I first watched Rebels, I was very confused because I knew people liked Callus and, and Zeb together. And watching the first two seasons, I was like, huh? <laughs> um, because, you know, I, I think that they have some vibes. I think... And then that's what I actually ended up really finding interesting about Kalazeb was like the reconciliation that is their relationship. Uh, because Callus is not a good person when they meet. Callus, you know, does uh, perpetuate a genocide of, of Zeb's people. Um, and so their entire relationship is about like reconciling that. And I think that it's not a perfect story about reconciliation, but it's definitely one of the better ones that Star Wars has done. Um... And so that's why Kalazeb has a special place, at least in my heart. No, I agree 100%. I think I was thinking about this earlier when I was thinking about like what I was going to say. Um, and I think there are so many stories about quote unquote redemption in Star Wars. And rarely do we ever see someone survive past deciding to do the right thing. So Callus is one of the few examples that we get of that. And while we definitely could have seen more of him actually putting the work in, and I would have loved to see a conversation between him and Zeb in season four, where they're like, hey, so sorry about that. I'm doing my best to not have that happen anymore. And Zeb's like, so true, bestie. Um, I would have really liked to see that. Um, but that being said, I think this story is from the beginning like from season one one of the first real times we really see callus is him being like i did do a bad thing to your people so it is like you really can't have one without the other and like their stories are so intertwined because every episode that really dug into zeb as a character um involved callus like very very strongly like the episode where chava and gran and have to go back to Lyrasan and Zeb's like come on besties let's go like Callus is involved in the prophecy 
of the Lisa of the Lissop people. And I think it's like it's just it's so crazy to me how deeply entwined their stories are and how like like complete that art felt like at the end how it was like hey remember this the the character who was the villain from season one he is now getting gay buried on a planet with one of the main characters we said this in our probably in our large crosshair discussion whatever but the difference between many characters in star wars and characters in other pieces of media and a callus or uh there are a small few in star wars of good stories of redemption or attempts at least redemption um is that uh there's like there's two pieces here ollie you said the part about how like he lives so we are able to see him work towards it and it is more again of atonement uh, working towards redemption and like at doing active acts of atonement um and uh and also that through the story like he's paired with zeb because it it, it also like it's a, it's about zeb and his people and what is their reaction and how do they take it it's not just about him and his little feelings um and that's that's that is the difference um that's also the difference if you talk about Zuko, but we won't get in, into that discourse. Um, but that's also why that I like speaking of them as a ship. I find it interesting that it's not just um, it's not just that like because there are lots of foils for each other, a protagonist and an antagonist, whatever that someone could say, ah, enemies to lovers or ship them or whatever, which is totally cool and totally fun or whatever. There's even other stuff in, in, in Rebels. Like, for example, Hera and Thrawn are very much foils of each other, whatever, but they're not in a romantic in any way, shape, or form. There are characters in everything that are tied narratively together like that, but specifically the way that Callus and Zeb are tied together are the way that um romance is often coded and a romance that takes a bit um that's why someone you know it's and again often the rule is you know of whether it's queer baiting or whether it's just I like these two characters together is like if one of them was a woman would they have gotten together the if the answer is yes then you know that's the difference um yeah and definitely i think uh they were if one of them was a woman they would have kissed at the end so i think also there is something to say about like the the narrative there that like i think given either more time in season four or a season five that could have been delved into like callus's time during the actual rebellion i think could have had some flavor of like people having to learn how to to trust him and for him to like have to earn their trust um, the idea of Alexander Callis and Leia Organa interacting has just made me feel insane. Uh, but we won't we won't get into that. I think something that's funny about them too is I think a lot of people look at them and say like, oh, the it's the enemies to lovers of it all. And I'm like, I think that that's incredibly valid. Um, but I think of it, honestly, for me, it is less about the like enemies to lovers. And it's more about the finding someone who compliments the, the bad parts in you and finding someone who makes you want to better yourself as a person. Um, because I have joked before is Alexander Callis did have a, a luck of the draw encounter with the cat boy and he did become radicalized. So I just, I think that it's very powerful, but I do think obviously there's more to it than that. But truly 
watching the honorable ones when you know how it ends like when you have that context even when you don't when you watch the honorable ones you're like is this a f- is this a fan fiction like no, who wrote this no a fun a very fun thing to do is if you introduce someone to, to rebels just say to them be like hey once you get to the ice planet episode let me know and then they will get back to you and they'll be like oh i understand why you flagged that one for me i'm like it was gay right and they're like extreme um has happened to me at least five times yeah um I did gaslight my friend um when I, I watched it with them um for the first two seasons I pretended to like hate Callus and I was like fuck that guy like you know like you know watching with friends like you know you're doing whatever and then the honorable ones happened and they looked at me and I looked at them and they were like what what just happened there and I was like interesting and from there we like went on and they were like uh, is is Callus Fulcrum and I was like who is to say? And it was just, it was like a really fun adventure. I really, I love that. Yeah, I just really like them. I think they're really cool. I love their story. I love that they're like narrative foils and they're well-written narrative foils. Like, I love them. I love that the story ends with them, like, you know, with Callus reconciling and truly being forgiven by the people that he perpetrated violence against. So I think that's super powerful. I love the idea that they settled down on Lyrasan together. And I just, I love their kids. I think that like Revan and Mara Jade were such a good addition to the Star Wars universe. Like I, I just, I love that. I hope we get to see them in the Ahsoka show. And I I do genuinely, I think every time I bring up like, yes, I'm so excited. Like, I really hope we get to see Zeb in like the Ahsoka show. Everyone's like, oh, but he's going to look so bad in live action. I'm like, I do not care. He could look horrible. They could literally just put his like, like a 3D rendering of his Rebels model with no hair. He could look like, he could just be Steve Blum in a mocap suit with no animation. I would not care. I want to see that gentleman again. So we have been in the uh, Empire era. Today we will be going to the era of the New Republic, which is not an era I talk about a lot. Um, But because this is our podcast, I will be discussing a polycule. Uh, <laughs> um, I will be discussing that I like to call the sequels polycule, which is as follows, uh, for me anyway. Um, hello, my name is Poe Dameron. This is my boyfriend, Finn. This is his girlfriend, Ray. This is her girlfriend, Rose. And this is her girlfriend, Jana. Now, there are several options to this. The end of that straight line, it is a straight line. It could be more of like a Big Dipper situation at the end with three women. Um, Ray could have several girlfriends. Uh, they, you know, they could be dating each other. Um, you know, it could be a full loop, you know? I, unfortunately, because this is the sequels, we do not get enough of anybody's character except for Poe Dameron because he has several books and comics that unfortunately I have not read yet. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so there are the cool thing about the sequels polycule is that it could be a straight line, it could be a loop, it could be a big dipper. It has options. It is built on. Obviously, the uh, the angle the angle structure of Jedi Storm Pilot, which we all do know and love, um, it's very it's very much built on the fact that um, you know uh, Ray was like, "Hi, I have a wonderful boyfriend. 
but I now have joined the resistance. I brought my very wonderful boyfriend to the resistance, and now I have met women. And I just think Ray's had a hard time, and Finn has had a hard time, and they all deserve to be happy. Um, also, um, I, I the the era of the sequels coming out was a wild time in Star Wars fandom. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, and I just think a lot of problems can be solved by shipping everyone together. Um, so, uh, they just, they just mean a lot to me. Also, I'm, I very much love Finn Ray a lot. I just very lo much love Finn Ray a lot. And then I'm like, uh, but there are other people here that I find very important. And I want to, um, think and talk about that today. So. I'm just saying, um, when you, when you were like, I think a lot of problems can be solved by shipping multiple people together. Is that not like at this point, the mission statement of this podcast is <laughs> just to make Absolutely as large true. a poly POV. We solve three intergalactic wars with the power of polycule. Listen, if this podcast is nothing, if not polycules or making a straight relationship gay by making the mana he him lesbian or an MLM. <laughs> Those are the three Period. tenants. <gasps> Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, like, uh, what is your, I, I, I hate saying, like, what's your source material? But, like, is there a particular fan fiction that brings you joy or is it just the concept in general? Um. So here's what it happened is in early sequels fandom, there was a very special time, a very special time that I hold very dearly in my hand um, after The Force Awakens came out where... It was a beautiful time. Um, there was just so much good fic coming out. There was a lot of good Finn Poe. There was a lot of good Finn Ray. Um, and there was just a lot of like imagine imaginative stuff out there because we didn't know a lot about the characters and people were speculating a lot. Um, unfortunately, now we are still speculating because we still don't know a lot about them, but we won't get into that. Um, but it was just a really cool time because there was just a lot of cool options. Shout out to the Prince Finn situation. Always fucking immaculate. Uh, those are always great. Um, I think of I think of Prince Finn. The problem is I gaslight gaslight myself because I took <laughs> so long to watch the second and third sequel movies that I was like, that's just what happened, right? Yeah, literally. There was just so much creativity in that era, and also like just a lot of fan meta and talking about how like they love each other, or whatever. And also, I think at that point, Ray had not met Poe, so there was just a lot of like cool and fun jokes about like how they would interact and all these kinds of stuff. And I think that was also part of the, some of the disappointment when The Last Jedi came out and they were all separated, which to be fair, in Empire, they all get separated a little bit too. People do know this to me about me. I am not a big fan of The Rise of Skywalker. However, did I receive an infinite amount of serotonin from that one scene in The Rise of Skywalker where they just stand there and they hug for like a so solid So true. The three I, of them, I was like, they, they, this invented love. Like, I don't know, I don't know what happened. We're not gonna discuss what happened before this, um, but uh, they stood there and, and before this, during the movie, I was feeling like, I hate Star Wars. I never, want to interact with it ever again and then that scene happened i was like you know what they did make at least one point i i felt that way during like when they had the, vo the voices of the jedi and i did hear like kanan and ahsoka and i was like okay maybe they made like one point and then they had that moment when they all hugged and i was like this is what i was waiting for the entire time i wish rose 
and Jana were also there. I am going to out myself as a Rise of Skywalker enjoyer. That is a movie that I enjoyed up until one exact moment and then immediately after that ended I continued to enjoy the movie so I basically just pretend that one thing didn't happen and I'm not going to get into that um but I I do remember at the end I was very emotional and when that happened I did see it in the theaters with my dad (laughs) and he did cry a lot when that when the three of them hugged and then I'm just like I'm like dang you can like ship that polycule or not but you cannot deny how important these characters are to each other and I really wish we had gotten to see a little bit more of that like in the text but that being said the payoff that we get like it's such a beautiful scene for that for that trilogy to end on uh this shouldn't come as a surprise because I'm pretty sure I've said several times before on this podcast and just on my TikTok in general that I am a sequels enjoyer because the sequels is what I started with and so I also don't hate the rise of Skywalker like but maybe it's because you know I watched the sequels first and so to me I was just like yeah this is fine and I didn't care about Star Wars before that there are parts of that that of the rise of Skywalker that could be better but uh I also did like get emotional seeing the like Poe, Finn, and Ray hug and reunite at that moment. And I do agree with Claudia where it would be even more epic if Rose and like <laughs> Jano were like there. Everyone just hug everyone. This pod- <laughs> this podcast really is polycules persevering, huh? Because I do also agree where everything would be so much better if you just if you ship everyone with everyone. <laughs> then there's no shipping wars because you know they're all in a relationship throughout all of the sequels me i'm not the only person who have been like a lot of the love for these characters has come from the charisma and talent of the actors behind them because the writing didn't give them a lot um and so they really they really put their whole they really put their whole foot in this one so like they really were like Listen, we have great chemistry with each other on screen, whatever kind of chemistry that is. Um, and we are gonna give we are gonna give everything to these characters um, with each other, even though, and that's like where people got like something from nothing. And so then you get this like it's literally just a scene with them hugging, and it was just like, wow, amazing, show stopping, incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I will also um out myself as I would say I enjoyed most of Rise of the Skywalker. Rise of the Skywalker, whatever the fuck it's called. I as you can tell I'm a real <laughs> real I'm a real fan. Um but um I the vibe at the I would say the first quarter of the movie is absolutely immaculate for the for the cue because the the moments that we get of with them just like going on little adventures is so fucking good like when they go to meet lando i was like i get it i get it actually this is this is an epic epic trio and the idea of rose and jana then also being like you know what can we can we get in on this yes absolutely i love that what's really interesting is that when we have been given very little about these characters what we do know about them is their relationship to each other or at least the beginnings of their relationships to each other. Um, And that's why it's very much like, if anything, they've got, like, they've got each other. And so, like, the basis is 
yeah, fuck yeah, I'm, I am shipping them. Um, is it unfortunate that we don't get more? Absolutely, but it does give you a lot of, um, it does give you a lot of character work to work with, and that's always just fertile ground for fan fiction. I like to root for an underdog. Um, I also, um, I'm not gonna lie to you, in The Rise of Skywalker, those outfits that Finn and Poe were in, I was like, whoever, whoever was doing, whoever was doing the costumes, also Rose, hello ladies, um, hello ladies, and then Jana comes in on that, like, horse and all that business, I was just like, hi, um, you're all just very attractive, um, and I'm having a moment, they all just looked really hot in that movie, um, and I, and unfortunately there was, there was a lot of other shit going on, uh, but they did look really great, and I was like, what if, they all they kissed i i think that all of like the main trios of the star wars movies have had really great chemistry but i think in specific the sequel trilogy i think the actors just have an insane level of chemistry with one another and i think that also just is really the the cherry on top of it all i wanted to say something along that line and then i think we need to move on but um the thing about about like specifically Poe, Rose, and Finn, yeah, sure, but like Poe, Ray, and Finn is that I actually believe that they're friends and want to spend time with one another. Like I'm a prequels defender because I grew up on them, but like I don't believe a single person in those movies wants to be near the people they're around. Well, I actually, I actually think like because. I'm always one of those people who's like, look, look at the facts, look at the parallels of like with the original trilogy. You can really compare um, Poe to Leia and you can really compare Finn to Han, although you can also compare him to Leia because he's force sensitive. Uh, but there's a lot of Han and Leia parallels between Finn and Poe and obviously with Luke with Rey. Um, but like they actually are the most like the original trilogy. Welcome back to the Empire, but also welcome back to the Chiss Ascendancy. <laughs> yes! Because you know what I'm bringing up, bringing to the table. I brought this up on uh, our good pal Darth Chaco's podcast to Theranto. You know, <laughs> Thrawn x Eli Vanto, for those who are not aware, is very special to me. <laughs> They are um, the most important Star Wars to me. Sorry to every other ship that I might ever mention, but Thranto. Uh, and I guess uh, tropes that I like with them, like reluctant little cowboy man getting thrown into this relationship of being Thrawn's uh translator and like you know working under Thrawn and then just the two of them over time slowly falling in love I do think that um Thrawn was already in love with Eli from the moment he saw him and Eli just over time slowly learning to love Thrawn and there is like <laughs> evidence in like the Thrawn novels I feel and the comics or the comic which is based off the first Thrawn like canon trilogy book but it's there it's there and I I truly believe that they they could be a thing and if they aren't then I will personally go and fight Timothy's on in a parking lot POV the Rob's Padres hosts fight Timothy's on until he canonizes Thranto the thing about Thranto that I love is that they actually do 
I, I don't, I, I am tempted to say that they're queer coded because I say that about a lot of things, but they have a lot of those lines where you're like, now wait a minute. And there's one in like the first 40 pages of the first Thrawn novel where Thrawn's like, you, you hold my life in your hands because you hold my words. And I was like, that's not something straight people say to each other. Uh, it's just, it's not. And there's another scene later on where Eli jokes and he's like, to get that done, you'd have to become an admiral. And Thrawn fully is like, okay, guess I'll become an admiral. And just like does, and like the rest of the book just follows Thrawn doing that. Seemingly, I guess, just to get Eli's life together, which I find very funny. Um, <laughs> Ollie just put in the chat, Minnesota and Eli Banto, period. But I, I like them a lot. I think that their relationship also like holds water and is interesting to examine, especially because half the time, like, half of the Thrawn book is Eli being like, I'm not that smart. And Thrawn's like, I disagree. And I am fascinated by you and your human brain. And I love everything about it. Yeah, so I do have like my copies of the books like with me right now. And I have like bookmark parts that I wanted to bring as like uh, evidence to like say like, look, listen to these (laughs) and tell me that these are not like, (laughs) this is not kind of like, queer in some way uh, so this is why I was very quiet during Ollie's like um Kalazeb like moment because I was flipping through the Thrawn books and trying to find evidence of, of Eli and Thrawn I'm so sorry to I do, I do like, like that I do like that you have chosen a ship that is quite literally the enemy of mine <laughs> so it's like you Kalazeb versus Thranto actual canon fight I do enjoy that. I don't think like, Eli never got fun. to meet like the the ghosts. So, so Eli did it, but Thrawn, but Thrawn did Callus's ass like, very, very. That's what much. no Eli does to a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, well, that is true. That's another. That's another like canon um like point for Thranto is the fact that throughout all of Rebels, it is just what no Eli Vanto does to a motherfucker. Eli is the reflection of humanity to Thrawn. So the second that he's gone, Thrawn is like, I don't give, I, it's crazy. I wicked don't give a fuck about what happens now. Um, not to say that he like spirals and becomes violent because he was already doing preemptive strikes in the Chiss Ascendancy. So no, I think that there is a clear pl- uh, a line of succession from uh, the Chiss Ascendancy books to to where we see Thrawn and Rebels, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but there's just something very powerful about Eli being like, my boyfriend has sent me away. I am going goodbye. And Thrawn said, let's go ape shit. Um, also, I just wanted to say, I think Eli Vanto, I, I, I can't say I kin Eli Vanto, but I hate how much I do love and relate to that boy. Because uh, I'm like, you are a fascist, but there's something about being a rural gay person that is so Eli Vanto, and it's just like, you get me, you get me, you you funky little queer. Um, I had to actually fight Jess to the death uh, for this one, and I'm very mad that they got to do this one. Um, but what makes me feel crazy? Um, nothing is funnier to me than things that are incredibly homosexual that a straight person makes by accident. Ha- shout out to Supernatural. Um. But in this case, don't shout them out. (laughs) I hate that because normally, Claudia, if you brought up Supernatural, I would argue with you. But I'm like, I feel like Timmy is kind of on the level of like the Supernatural. Like I'm trying to make something so straight that it is. (laughs) But not, but to be fair, like not in a bad way. Like this man, he went, okay, 
I have the chance to relaunch one of my most famous characters into the canon. And I need to show him as a full person. Uh, I need to show him as a full person in that first Thrawn novel. And his first idea to do that is to create this character, Eli Vanto, who is, like, going to teach him the power of friendship um, and love. Like, literally, and I, when I say that, it is not a joke. Like, that is the premise of the fucking book. It is the last fucking paragraph, and it makes me feel insane. And sometimes I feel like I've gaslit myself, and I go, okay, maybe it's not. And then I read it again, I'm like, oh my god. Like, literally, the beginning of the book is, like, almost, like, not a romance, but almost like he literally Thrawn is like, sometimes your life is going one way and then destiny brings you a different way. And that was how I met Eli Vanto. And you're like, are you fucking joking? Is this real? And also, none of the other Thrawn books are in the first person. This first one where we meet Eli. So this is from, is the in the first person where we hear all of Thrawn's thoughts that's the one that made people fall in love with Eli so much that he arguably is one of the most beloved characters that is only in uh, a novel other than, like, who hasn't been brought into anything else. People are fucking crazy about him because we hear about him from Thrawn's point of view. Because this whole book, literally, Timothy Zahn's concept for this book was, what if I just had this man compliment this man I made up? The entire time. And you're like, I'm sorry, that was your concept? And you were supposed to, I was supposed to think that they're just not gay? Like, I'm. what is that? I also, I do have a textual evidence. In Thrawn Alliances, um, where Thrawn is hanging out with Anakin, um, Anakin, t uh, like, Anakin talks about, like, what Thrawn's mind feels like, uh, in the, in the Force, um, and he says that, like, the texture of his mind, like, feels weird. It was kind of like scientists and, it, like, and mathematicians, but it was, like, neat and, and, and like, precise and, and stuff like that. But then I believe it is, uh, I want to say it was Thrawn Treason. Correct me if I'm wrong. There is another one where, there's another one where basically they say that, like, Eli's brain uh, is, like, an ordered set of numbers. I'm like, so you're telling me. So you're telling me that the structure of Thrawn's brain in the Force looks the way that um the the way that Eli thinks? You're telling me this. Um, I feel fucking bonkers and crazy. Um, every single thing I learn about that, every time I think about them, I feel bonkers and I feel crazy. And then and it's there's like textual evidence about it, and that's why it makes me feel insane. POV just has prepared some some quotes for you from the thr the Thravels, the Thrawn novels. Yeah, the Thravels. Okay, so from chapter two of the first Thrawn book, there's a part, this is on page 30, where Eli's just like, but why me? You never ask about Captain Parker, Colonel Barris, or any of the other um any of the other senior officers, or even about Emperor Palpatine or the Imperial Senate. Sorry, I should have read that in a in a little accent like Eli. I'll remember next time. And Thrawn's like, they're not connected to my immediate survival. You are. And then later on, on the next page, on 31, the quote that we always talk about of Thrawn being like, you are my translator. You hold my words in your hand and their meaning. Which just like, that is, that's something. 
that's pretty gay i don't know any straight person would say that like if you're a straight person would you say that about your like um same sex like co-worker that like you hold my words in my hand you're so important to my survival yes claudia I will also just say that's not just like a oh maybe he's just foreign like chis thing we see him in the chis ascendancy where everyone's like nah that bitch is just fucking weird like like <laughs> like um no he is just he is just a dramatic gay person um not all the chis are like that we also have not mentioned that one of the maybe funniest things about their relationship uh, which is to say the living situation uh, because in the the Thrawn ascendancy books, we see um, these these this chis couple that is courting, and they are not sleeping in the same room together. And that could, of course, just be their relationship. But it sounds like it's more of like a social moray. Uh, so the idea of Thrawn and Eli sharing a room together for an extended amount of time, and then Eli coming to the chis ascendancy and like being like, "Oh yeah, when Thrawn and I shared a room," and Arlani being like, "What? Come again?" Uh, it's just very funny to me. Well, and specifically the fact that it's not just, oh, they shared a room because they were in the academy together, whatever. Like, Eli is showing up to the Chiss Ascendancy with Thrawn's fucking diary. Again, extra- what? That's some gay people nonsense. Where he's like, hi, I wrote about you in my diary for the years that we knew each other. Here, take it to my older sister- uh whatever uh like here here's my fucking diary what is that but like so it's not just oh like we were roommates it literally she's like i'm sorry there's this this man from another species showed up with your fucking diary and now you're telling me you were roommates out of wedlock excuse me like that there there's a lot of con the, the diary thing anyway diary of that wimpy chiss <laughs> I was gonna bring that up as the next like little quote thing that I wanted to bring to attention, which is I'm not gonna read the whole like little passage from Thrawn's diary, but just the part about a friend, which is I think about that specific part a lot, where it's just like a friend need not be kept either within sight or within range or within reach. This is yeah, at the end of the first Thrawn book, the epilogue. A friend must be allowed the freedom to find and follow his own path. If one is fortunate, those paths will for a time join. But if the paths separate, it is comforting to know that a friend still graces the universe with his skills and his viewpoint and his presence. For if one is remembered by a friend, one is never truly gone. And Eli reading that from Thrawn's diary and then going off to the Chiss Ascendancy is yeah who gives their straight friend their diary and then sends them to their home <laughs> like that's pretty gay too what's going on here from a media analysis standpoint something that i love that i could talk about for years is that there is this tendency particularly in military spaces um to write male male relationships so hard to the point that they like make a full circle and become gay by accident, um, which I feel like is kind of what happened with Thrawn and Eli. Like you watch them interact and they're like, we're really good friends, like really good friends. And it's like, you spend too much time together to be buddies. I think you're maybe fucking. Like that's kind of like, that's the full circle. I do think a lot about how uh, all of the Thrawn books, especially the, the Chiss Ascendi books, 
Um, they do set up Thrawn as a foil for Anakin in a lot of ways, and there are a lot of characters that have parallels, like Arlani being his Obi-Wan, whatever. One could make the argument that Eli Vanto is his Padme. Um, it is the it is it is the person that he will like bend everything who he is for um and who he meets and it changes his entire existence um and who he feels like is a match to him in 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 stuff anyways um yeah also yeah eli and padme's outfits absolutely anyways yes uh eli is the is the padme of this situation uh and but he survives because he gets sent to the chisisendi so i can see that like Thrawn going to great lengths to help Eli do like when he figured out like hey like because you know Price I hate talking about Price but uh her being in the first Thrawn book and like being telling Thrawn because Thrawn doesn't fucking get it that like Eli is still an an ensign after like five years like even though he should have like already like moved up in the ranks but he's still like just an ensign because of like they can't fuck with Thrawn, so they're like, we'll fuck with the little, like, cowboy twink that is Thrawn's bestie. And Price has to fucking spell that out for him, and him being like, oh shit, what can I do to help my little twink? And he does, like, you know, go to great lengths to try to figure out what to fucking do to help Eli even put on those stupid little sunglasses <laughs> and poncho. I love the sacrifices Thrawn makes to protect Eli. Um, Actually, I was going to talk about a parallel that I was just thinking about now that I, I just, I guess I haven't put much thought into it, but because we have the enemy ships here on the podcast, Kalazeb and Thranto, they they have some parallels. Like, Kalas goes- Oh, you're so right. Yes, Lirasan. absolutely. Yeah. And then Eli gets sent to the Chis Ascendancy. And the difference yeah. is that, like, Thrawn doesn't get to go with Eli. And, like, that- that is the difference between the two because Thrawn chooses the Empire over and over again when he shouldn't because he thinks it's for the not to not to reference a Thrawn book, greater good. Um, even though it's not, you dumb bitch. It's not the lesser evil either. Anyways, let's I gotta I gotta it also oh. I do also love um <laughs> sorry, I do think the concept of um of Thrawn of <laughs> I do like the Parallels being fucking Simacro and Gron and and Arlani and Shava. No, anyway, I have uh just real quick two more like quote things from like a treason this time, which it is my favorite of the Thrawn books. Uh, they are about Eli specifically. Like, um, from what chapter is this? Fuck, I need to quote my sources. <laughs> chapter five. I hope this is chapter five. Timothy's on your, your chapters are so goddamn long. Um, yeah, chapter five, page 100. Good day, Lieutenant Vanto. <laughs> Thrawn said, nodding once, and then turning back to Arlani. <laughs> and then I skipped over this part. Sorry. Uh, Eli froze. He, <laughs> his own ready greeting f- freezing in his throat. That was it. Good day, Lieutenant Vanto. All the long months since their last meeting, and that was all the greeting he got. Just Eli Vanto freaking out over the fact that um, the previous pages he is like thinking about Thrawn being like, oh my god, I haven't seen Thrawn in over a year. You know, 
I'm like his only friend. He, he sent me here on an important mission. I have missed this in my head. And then he's so ready to like see Thrawn again and be like, hey, hey bestie. And all Thrawn says to him is, good day, Lieutenant Banto. And Eli's just like, what the fuck? Hello? That's all you have to say to me? And then the mental gymnastics Eli does go through to be like, oh, maybe it's just because, you know, there's all these people here. He doesn't want to make a big deal out of it. Yeah, that's probably it. Because Thrawn and I are in love. So he would never just ignore me like this. I remember when that book came out and I had waited all that time to like see, I wanted to see my little boy. I wanted to see him again. And then we see him again, whatever, like, Eli's reaction was my reaction. Like, I had to take a lap when when they said good day, Eli Vando. I was like, I actually didn't like this book for, like, a solid year. Because I was Eli Vando in that moment. I was like, fuck this book! <laughs> um, I was viscerally angry. But then there's the later part where uh, Eli isn't in the room and Thrawn, like, and uh, Ronan tries to, like, slander Eli and 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 Thrawn is like listen you fucking idiot <laughs> like he kind of goes and yeah he's just like don't fucking say shit about my boy that scene in Rebels where the guy no, says like I don't guy. I don't understand art and Thrawn like grabs him and hisses that's that scene should have happened with him and Ronan when Ronan exactly. was talking shit about Eli exactly. he hisses at him and he's like I forgot that not everyone appreciates art I forgot that not everyone appreciates Eli Vanto. Here's the last little like um, snippet that I want to bring to attention of like um, Theron being like, tell me of Lieutenant Vanto. This is at the end of the, near the end of the book, chapter 24, page 437, um, the top of the page. He, tell me of Lieutenant Vanto, Theron said, and then a talk between him and Arilani about what Eli's doing. And then she says, it was indeed, Arilani said, my official rep- report will feature Lieutenant Commander Eli Vanto, most prominently, and then Thrawn's lips might have twitched in a small smile at Vanto's new rank. <laughs> Pharaoh couldn't tell for sure because that's from you know Pharaoh's point of view, and just her noticing that Thrawn kind of like smiled at the fact that Eli had become a lieutenant commander in the just ascendancy's like defense fleet, and him being so proud of his boyfriend. <laughs> I love Karen Pharaoh a lot because she's just also a girl boss. Um, but the the part where she's like, so did like Eli Vanto get murdered? Like, what the fuck happened to the bitch? And then he shows back up, and she's like, did he send him away? What the what the fuck? Jess, you did forget the scene in the first Thrawn book where Thrawn's like, well, we better get to our new ship. There's a lot to learn. And Eli's like, our new ship. And then Thrawn is like, literally, like turns around, like he literally is like, he has a smile on his face. He's like oh, you weren't paying attention? I'm now the captain. And he's like, shall we go? And you're like, this is- Oh yeah, that's that's also this in the is- comic. So we do get to see like Thrawn's little like smile to Eli. Like, yeah, bestie, I've become captain of a ship and you're coming along with me. Let's go. And it's very flirty. Like, it's not like, come along, whatever. He's, he's like, are you ready for our next adventure? Like, it's a lot. Um, I have almost no textual evidence because I refuse to open in a book um <laughs> so i'm gonna take us to the higher public for a second um to talk about two men that have owned my brain for the last like several weeks and that is stellan geos and elzar man um to be clear 
I am a full fervent supporter of the Stellan Avar Elzar polycule. I simply want to talk specifically about um, Elzar and Stellan because they mean the most to me. No offense to you, Avar Chris, you're a girl boss. I just happen to be a gay dude, so I'm more invested in these two. It was funny. I was trying to like look up, look through um like tropes that I could try and assign to them, and the funniest one that I found was all the good ones are gay, which is a TV trope in which a bunch of straight characters are like, "Now wait a minute, this one man is so rocking," and then they're like, "That's because he's a homo." Like that's the plot, and I was like, "Damn, that's selling Geos," like. Stellan spends 90% of the rising, also I guess I should say like spoilers for the higher public up to this point because it's not major, but I am going to talk about them. Uh, but Stellan spends the majority of the rising storm like doing media appearances and sparring for hollow vids and like doing interviews. And everyone's like, wow, I just love this guy. And I love the idea that they're like, it's because he's a homosexual. <laughs> the thing about Stellan and Elzar is that they don't have a ton of what I would call like poetic lines where I'm like, wow, that's really romantic. I don't know how to describe this, but they interact in a way that I think gay men interact. Like there's an extended sequence in The Rising Storm where they're walking together and something about the way it is written and phrased and happens. I And I was, I, I did like live text Mel as I was reading this book and I got to this part and I was like, this is really gay. Like they walk and they make, they crack all these jokes and I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like, you know, normalize male friendships. I don't really care about that. Um, I care about gay people, fuck male friendships. They just, they seem fruity to me and I really appreciate that about them. Okay, to be fair, at the end of The Rising Storm, before, I would say, hmm, like 10 chapters before the end of the book, when things are, things are good. Um, Stellan is like, Elzar, thank you so much for, like, telling me uh, about the bad things. We're going to go on a vacation together. You and me are going to go to Jeddah. It's going to be fine. They Let's go, really bestie. do. I he... totally forgot that. Uh, that was no, canonical. It, it, it that's canonical. Yeah, I I mean, let, me, let me explain this very quickly. Basically, what happens is Elzar gets really stressed and has some boo-boo moments. And Stellan says in the book, this is, like, his POV. So it's, like, an internal monologue thing. He's like, yeah, Elzar's really stressed i'm gonna book us a vacation together canonically yeah i also said no I, I kind of forgot that that happened in that order but yeah like it, it is it is that exact direction of someone being like wow he seems really upset i bet we would love a vacation like that yeah that genuinely happens um to any like straight listeners following um d like straight men like is that a thing you have done with your straight male friend have you have you been like, yeah, you having a rough time? I should book you a vacation. Because that doesn't sound that, like straight people. But okay, if I have spent time among the heterosexual I... species a number of times. And I will say that, like, yes, that is a thing that they do. Um, but I, I don't know. How, I don't okay, know how to but, like. But here's more. this is what I would say about that. I would say that yes, that does happen. Like I will talk. I have. I have straight male friends um, but it's the fact that stellan also recently was appointed to the council so he has a big job he has responsibilities and he's like no elzar you and i are gonna have this time together and like of course that also has to do with like their larger friendship but there is something there that is like you're my priority like i'm gonna say actually like when when the things in out of the shadows happen sorry Vern, fuck off you go do this I've got shit to do. Elzar makes a number of remarks. He's like, you look really pretty in your temple robes, you fucking weirdo. Like he literally like remarks about 
how put together Stellan is. And I'm like, y'all, they just, they, there's also a number of scenes too. And I'm a big, I'm a big proponent that um, Stellan is not very good with his emotions because canonically he is not. Um, but like, I, there's a number of scenes where Stellan is like, I know that Elzar and Avar are really close and that's great that they have such a great relationship. And like, you could just feel it from him that he's like, I simply want, I, I simply want a man. I feel like their relationship is a more positive version of Brokeback Mountain. I don't understand how to vocalize that correctly, but I feel like I'm, I am spiritually correct in suggesting that. Not Elzar, I can't get, I can't quit you, man. No, but like, tell me I'm wrong. I do uh, really quick want to say that I really enjoy that uh, it is like two of the canonically hot Jedi, the hot people for hot people moments. So true, Bestie. Like the book does at multiple times be, just mention that Stellan is very pretty and Elzar is very hot. I should also note that this gay ass walking scene um, directly proceeds when Elzar canonically fucks. And I find that extremely funny. <laughs> I feel like he went on a walk with Stellan and was like, I, I gotta let off some steam. Also, he does fuck. And the first thing that he thinks when he comes back is he's like, man, I hope Stellan doesn't notice that I just fucked. Literally. So I'm gonna round it out. I'm gonna name some women. I would like to talk about Sabe Dala, AKA um, Sabe and, and Padme Amidala. So, um, I won't lie, um, my other co-hosts did choose my first, my go-tos, uh, so I, I did look at my, my second string, which feels terrible, uh, but it's also because, like, we do have content about this ship and, like, canonical evidence about this, like, it, it, Sabe canonically loves Padme in a romantic way, um, even though it is not, um, requited, which sucks ass. Um, yeah, my, my bi queen, Sabe. Um, it's, I don't know, there's some flavor about it. Um, I have a bunch of notes, um, about, about this because not only like, so we first see Sabe and, and Padme in the Phantom Menace and there is something, I don't know, there's something powerful ship wise of like, I have been pretending to be you so you can survive. Um, that is like, Ooh, that has some flavor. I love a we love a bodyguard AU. Um <laughs> literally I was like the inherent homoeroticism of like first of all you spend all your time together. Second of all I I just I have not read folk I have not read these books. Uh but an interaction that I think is very powerful is the notion of like having to learn someone so well you can pass as yeah, them. Yeah. That's, that's like a major fish. part of the book. Also like between two men is one thing. Something about two women getting to know each other so well that they can mirror one in public, that's gay right there. Well, and it's also that they have gotten to know each other from a pretty young age also. Like all of the all of the handmaidens, if you read the books, um, shout out to us being the Padme book enjoyers. Um, but like it's also it's it has New York's Hottest Club does have it all. Like it does have like be like uh, unrequited is sure, but it also has that like childhood friend situation, childhood friend to like very close adult relationship uh, a thing. And in Queen's Shadow, very specifically, you see Padme kind of navigating, going from being, you know, a teenager to an adult, uh, you know, a queen to a senator, 
um, but also literally dealing with how her relationships with her handmaidens evolve and specifically the handmaidens that she keeps because some of them go go away um and sabe is the one who stays with her and she has to deal with like that changing relationship and it's like it's a very like real thing about like maintaining a relationship with someone that you grew up with um and it's uh even in not in just a queer way it's it's just it's very interesting love yeah the Padme books I read both of them in one sitting one day there's just so much in that book about identity and like the handmaidens strip all of their identity away to protect Padme um and there is just some like well not all of their identity they they still have like the the core of their being but like their names they literally change their names to be more like Padme their her Sabe's birth name is not Sabe um same with all of the handmaidens like it's so like holy shit they they go hard for this for this girl um and just like seeing seeing that that progress and then at the end of oh god is it queen's is it queen's peril or is it queen's shadow that sabe um is at the funeral because i queen's shadow i think it's queen's shadow yeah um because I, I started fucking crying because i was like god damn sabe loved padme so fucking much and like there's like the scene in um in peril where um like there was a chance for Sabe to have like a normal girlfriend and like a normal life and Padme accidentally fucks it up for her and Sabe's like it's fine you I love you and Padme's like I love you too but I don't know if it's that same way bestie and she's like cool anyways um I'll be your handmaiden for the rest of my life cool um and Why aren't these movies? Yeah. No, okay. There's a twelve-year-old who yeah. There's a twelve-year-old who gets tortured in in Queen's Peril. Um, who's one of hand, uh, Padme's handmaidens, and like in the audiobook, because I listened to the audiobook, you can hear her screaming and screaming and screaming as she is tortured. It's insane. Queen's it's Peril crazy. is insane. Like, I. <laughs> Anyways, listen to the Padme books. They fucking slap. The source material I want to talk about today is actually an AU that I read today. Um, it is called uh, uh, I Remember Dimly by Stitching at the Circuit Board. It is an AU where Padme brings a knife to the Mustafar confrontation and stabs Anakin. So she thinks she kills Anakin and is like, oh, hey, Obi-Wan, I can't believe you're here. My water just broke. Can we go deal with that? And so she has the kids. Sabi becomes their other mother. And Anakin also lives. So you ha- you deal with, with Padme having to, like, deal, like, she loved Anakin, but she also loves Sabe. And Sabe is a constant in her life who cares about her and is willing to, like, put everything on the line for her. And is also, like, willing to let go of her in a way that Anakin never could. And there's just so much flavor there. Now this makes me feel insane. Yeah, would you like would you like to hear a line that I, I would just love to. that really resonated with me? And this is actually so we also get like other handmaidens points of view. And also Ahsoka's here. It's it's a really good AU. I highly recommend checking it out. Uh but this is Dorme. Dorme like runs into Anakin as Vader and she's like, uh uh okay this is awkward um and this is how it goes anakin loved her and did not know how to love her and dorme pities him for it vader wants to love her in order to love himself and dorme pities him for it what the fuck so fuck so i have not read these books um i am now going to read these books that my other thing is though um 
I am fun. I am, I am very, very angry that these are not things I can also watch uh, because Natalie Portman has the fucking range and so does Kira Knightley and so does anyone else they hire for this. I'm like, like, I know that I've been clawing for like Star Wars political drama my entire existence. I, this is actually what I want. This is actually no, what I want no. to happen. So this is why I'm very excited for Queen's Hope because the Queen's Hope is going to take place during the Clone Wars. So we're going to get we're gonna get politics, love. If we're not um, getting Satine Kreese in that book, I will kill We got a, a Satine mention in fucking, uh, in, 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 in Shadow. We're where... going to get Ahsoka and, we're going to get Ahsoka and Padme content, which is really, is very important to me. Uh, I will say this, uh, for those who have not read the Vader comics, Sabe actually does show up in the Vader comic as well um and she i think does... a bunch of the handmaidens do right they become um, the girl boss avengers in the, yeah in the vader comic they, they roll up to they vader rolls up to yeah, padme's seen, grave and sabe and co are like bitch we will kill you and then sabe and vader do go on an adventure i i i don't know if it's i i don't know if there's many of them left or i think it's just her and like and somebody from alder on or like i think it's just two people i can't remember i read this one a while ago um, but it's, uh, she does discover that he is Anakin, whatever, and, like, you do get to see them, like, confront, like, the two sides of loving Padme confront each other, and it does make you feel crazy, and I, I, that's, this is another one where, like, we were talking about this with Ranto, we were talking about this with Kawazeb, there is, like, textual like narrative parallel sort of stuff here uh that might just be because the people behind it are like we're gonna make this sapphic or fucking die trying thank you E.K. johnston yeah thank you E.K. johnston and also uh shout out to whoever's uh wrote that vader comic as well i gotta check which one that was um but uh but yeah it's it's it there's like there's textual evidence for this it's it's half canon and that's what like also hurts me so much about it as like you know like a young queer person who like grew up in a very straight town of like loving your best friend this is not an experience i had but like just like that experience is very resonates with me of like oh like i am attracted to someone who will never feel the same way about me or if they do it's it's not happening there were ships in the night kind of situation and that hurts me in a way that i'm obsessed with that's a very wlw or like nblw person like situation let's go lesbians let's go yeah like that's a very familiar feeling i think for a lot of people who fall on that you know that part of the spectrum of sexuality so i feel like that's it's such an interesting emotion that I don't think gets delved into a lot except for when it's like we have a fun quirky side character who's in love with the protagonist when in reality like that's not you know most of the time it's not like it's person and I think that it's it's really nice to hear saying like hey just because they like in canon just because Padme does not feel those same emotions back does not mean that their relationship is meaningless and does not mean that that they are like okay besties goodbye like it's like it lets them have that relationship and it lets how they experience those feelings and i think that's really cool yeah and like not to downplay padme also loves sabe a lot and like i think it is in a little bit of a gay way but she has she has anakin anakin leave challenge anakin get fucked challenge girl please anakin i'm begging you go somewhere else i am just thinking a lot now based entirely off of mel and claudia's description of this relationship um 
unfortunately for gay people everywhere, there are a number of Phoebe Bridgers lyrics that immediately came to mind while you were saying that. Um, one is Moon Song because she literally has the lyric, you're sick and you're married and you might be dying. And I'm like, hmm. I'm going the other direction. I'm going to be a musical theater gay here. Uh, I apologize. Um, for those of us who are great comment enjoyers, the song Sonia Alone is Sabe singing to Padme. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I have talked about uh, great comment Star Wars. I could go into it quite a bit, uh, but I won't. Um, I will say, though, um, it's not just like, oh, unrequited, like, love with a queer person whatever in the Padme books there are also two handmaidens who who do get together and eventually get married like they and they and like they are they are gay people like they are they there's more than one gay people I believe Padme's sister is the one who's um aromantic and asexual as well like we have multiple gay people it's not just Sabe being like oh no yeah like there are like there are pad there are handmaidens within the handmaiden squad that like Their entire arc is like, one of them is like, I don't want to talk to you because I'm so attracted to you. Please get away from me. It's very funny. Like, they they actually, like, this is not a big spoiler, but basically what happens is they're like, they have a lot of trouble, like, learning all the stuff for Padme, whatever, and, like, bonding together because two of them won't fucking speak to each other. And the rest of them are like, why do they, why won't they talk to each other? Like, why won't they, like, train together or be alone together, whatever? And it's because they're fucking gay. and don't want to deal with their crush on each other but they're also like very young they're very young so they're like so they're like i don't know how to deal with this so i'm just not going to speak to you i fucking hate you also the padme books canonize periods and swimsuits so i think that they may be the part best part of star wars and and raves and 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 raves raves I just wanted to say that wow those two handmaidens who like can't deal with their like crush on them on each other that is me so that's relatable and I really need to read these fucking books they're so good it's Yane and Sasha right um yeah the the problem okay here's the problem this is my one problem with the Padme books and it's not (sighs) the Padme books fault it's canon um is their names because the end because all of them end in the A I'm like Sabe um Irte Rabe Dorme I'm like girl who are you A no, and then and then as soon as you learn them all, some of them go away, and she becomes a senator, and then she gets new ones, and then and Queen then there's Hope... fucking Duja. I'm like, girl, where yeah. where then, were you, Duja? And then in Queen's Hope, it's gonna be more confusing, whatever. So you're just like, please, can you keep it consistent? I'm struggling here. I, I know this has just become an advertisement for the Padme books, which it should be. Oh, also, if you do read the the audiobooks um they are read by the va for padme uh from so fucking clone wars so i just want to say that like our her our podcast is always us promoting some like book it was like throne books the high republic padme come on we're just we're mlm for for the star wars books when queen's hope comes out we are going to become a problem (laughs) mel correct me if i'm wrong also in queen shadow i believe uh, uh, Sabe is canonically bi. She does get with a she does, she get does with sleep a with a man. Yeah. It. Uh. Yeah. She is also another Star Wars character who canonically fucks. Right? She did. Can <laughs> she did canonize fucking? Like they have the moment where like it. It's a little bit more. I would argue a little bit more spicier than the Rising Storm in terms of like Absolutely. like Elzar and and Samira like have their moment and you're like fade to black. But like anyways. <laughs> 
do you want to drop the name of that fan fiction? Oh yeah, just time? one last time. The name of the fic is do 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 do. I remember dimly by uh, stitching at the circuit board. Um, once again, there are two other parts, and I feel like Ventress might be in one of the other parts. I didn't read all of them, so there's that. Ventress, another by queen. Get into it. Welcome to Fancastic. Fancastic is a segment in this podcast wherein I have found um, and collected some of the just fucking worst fan casts um, I've seen for for characters, and they're not always necessarily bad. Actually, I, I should I should correct myself. Sometimes they're they're pretty good, and sometimes they're just fucking buck wild. So, that being said, are we ready to get into it? So basically, I am going to name an actor and. Or a series of actors, and my co-hosts are going to have to figure out who the fuck the, these people or this person has been fancasted as. Without further ado, let's start off pretty easy. Willem Dafoe. Hondo Anaka. No. That's oh, that's very funny. I would love that. No. Thrawn. No. <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Are they force sensitive? They are force sensitive. Obi Wan Kenobi. Plo no, Koon. no, not is a Jedi. Once again, is someone they're, who's... they're not a Jedi. Maul? Oh. Is this yeah. someone who's been in a in a in a, in a piece of live action media yes. before? Yes. Oh, so this is a recast. Okay. Well, yes. Force is... sensitive. Yes. Are they human or are they an alien? Human. Palpatine. Yes. I was. Here's the funny actually... thing. I was gonna say that, and then I thought, no, That's surely actually... not kind of powerful like he, I, he would body that role like i'm thinking of the willem way defriend turned, i not willem defriend i'm just i'm thinking of the way that he plays it when he turns into green goblin in the first spider-man movie as his palpatine transformation and that like like the idea of him like horribly convulsing and then being like unlimited power <laughs> like killing me is what do so fun fact about willem dafoe he is one of my favorite actors so the idea of that gentleman play <laughs> playing palpatine is so funny because just how his like natural stage presence is there is not going to be a moment where you trust that motherfucker like maybe Palpatine, maybe maybe in the prequels there's a moment where you're like oh he seems like an okay gentleman no from the second you see that motherfucker you're like oh there is something off um, wasn't he already in Aquaman with Tim? He was! <laughs> <laughs> I do have um, a fun fact to add talking about uh, trusting Palpatine. When I did watch the Star Wars movies with my mother, um, we did watch them in release order. So we had already watched the, the original trilogy. We watched the prequels. She did not realize that, that, that Palpatine was Darth Sidious until he told Anakin and Anakin was like I need to go get my boss and even then she was like wait hold on who is should I know him and I was like we'll see and then she did not truly realize it until he got all messed up because of Mace Windu and then she was like oh just like the guy from the other movies and I was like because he is and she was like oh I just wanted to say I can't believe Eli Vandal kills William the Okay, for context, there is a fan fiction wherein Eli Vanto's fat ass does, can, not canonically, um, uh, force accidentally Palpatine down a flight of stairs, which kills him in a passion. Uh, anyways. I feel like we've talked about that fic before. We've had to have, because it's one we of my favorites. multiple times. Anyways. I learned about that fic before I learned who Eli Vanto was. 
Are we ready for the next one? Jack Black. Thrawn. <laughs> nope, nope. You need to stop guessing they, Have they been in live action? Yes. Are but they you more did... sensitive? No. Here's the thing. You looked like you had to think about it. So I I'm did like, have to think about it. Were they in a show? They were in one show, yes. Clone Are they Wars? in a... Clone Wars? They were in the Clone Wars. Are they in the prequels? I assume they're in the prequels. Only the... in the Clone Wars. That is not the trilogy that they were originated in. Jaro to Paul. Wait, he was in... <laughs> <laughs> Jack Black's Jaro to Paul. Wait, someone who has been in the Clone Wars and they've also been in live action. Yes. Were they in the original trilogy? Yes. That is where they were introduced. The, the way that my first guess was Tarkin. <laughs> Wait, Chewbacca? No and no. Okay, Chewbacca's been in, was in the prequels. Um. Okay, so this is a character who was in the original trilogy for like a moment in live action and then was in the Clone Wars. And also in the sequels. They... You never asked about the sequels. Not is it not... Akbar? Yes, it is. Admiral <gasps> Akbar. Oh my god. Wait, P- POV. Jack Admiral Akbar does, does camp school of rock. I fucking can't. Alternative, um, alternative POV. Admiral Akbar is the dragon warrior and trains for the three kung fu panda <laughs> movies. Which, to I be like clear, none of you I am not. Me saying nine up. Did not hear Nine Up, but that is also so That's valid. Powerful. I do like Jack Black as Nine Up in the Disney Plus original show Nine Up in Motion. <laughs> We're bringing back some classics this week. Callis Aurelio's family lore Nine Up in Motion. Are we ready for the next one? Zach Efron. Anakin. Nope. Young Luke Skywalker. Nope. Is this a Force sensitive? Not Force sensitive, not Thrawn. Original they... trilogy? Yes. Are they a human? Yes. Obi-Wan Kenobi. No, no. Wait, they're in the original trilogy and they're force sensitive and they're no, they're not, not they're not they're not force sensitive. Oh, a I'm big dark lighter. No. Damn. Wedge Antilles. Yes. Wedge Antilles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why would they do that when Nathan Cress already voices him? <laughs> I don't know, but it, I was like I was looking through the fan cast as I do, and I was like there were so many people you could have chosen, and Zach Efron has been fan casted multiple times in different roles, and I can't wait to get into those at a later date. But that was just a choice, you know? Just the POV, the rebellion does. We're all in this together. <laughs> oh my god, I love I can't wait for the Charlie Saint. I can't wait for the Charlie St. Cloud AU. I can't with that. This is a series of actors, so you're gonna have to bear with me. Ian Som- Somerhalder, Sasha Baron Cohen, <laughs> Zachary Quinto. Is that Thrawn? That Thrawn. Yes, it is Thrawn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Zachary Thrawn. Quinto is that- Thrawn is so funny. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen is Thrawn is so funny to me. That- I feel like he plays like Peepaw Thrawn. <laughs> Peepaw which is, which is, which is a like, Legends Thrawn. Zachary Quinto would iron- uh, unironically kill as Thrawn. It would be a weird casting, but he could he could do it. He, what about that gentle- range? What about that gentleman from the Vampire Diaries? Ian, I whatever simply, the fuck. Ian Summerholder, I chose not to acknowledge. He's more of a Simacro, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I okay, actually, to, like, I hate to like um, admit that I know no celebrities. I have to look this man up really fast because I don't know who that is. I mean, okay, here, He's... I can give you a general description and unfortunately I will describe about half of Hollywood. White guy, oh my God. dark Wait, hair. Wait, no, this He's is what he looks like. Look. No, no, I looked at a picture. He's the ugly one from the Vampire Diaries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't 
to yeah. re- okay. I hate to tell you how many episodes of that show I've seen, but I've only seen the Jenny Nicholson video about. The I movie. was about to say it was like, do you want me to tell um, you about the plot of the Vampire Diary books that I my... learned from the Jenny Nicholson video? Here's the last one for the evening. This is the one I've been cherishing close to my heart. <clears throat> it's a series of actors: Rain Wilson, Patton Oswalt, John C. Riley. Jason Siegel, and finally Nick Offerman. So Who is this? Is, this is a large name. gentleman. Who's to say? Chewy? No. Is this is this a human? No, it's not a human. Are they in live action? No, they are not. Is it Jaro <laughs> No, it is not. Bone Wars or Rebels? Rebels. Okay. <laughs> Zeb? Not is Zeb. It, is it Gron? Yes, it is Gron. More than one Gron fan cast makes me feel crazy. I'm so like I'm so. <laughs> this was made to specifically make Ollie feel crazy. Rain Wilson is Gron. Yeah. Not Dwight. <laughs> Not Dwight Gron. I do I like, like Nick um... Offerman. Like Ron Swanson is Gron. Gron, Gron Swanson. <laughs> Anyways, anyway. that was fantastic. Thank you for for tuning in. Um, I will. I just wanted to put out this PSA. So I am not running low necessarily on fan cast, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I need I need to be at the top of my game. So if you see a fan cast that is just what the fuck, send a DM my way at Melvin Culpa or at Grunkle Rex on TikTok. It's time for name that ship. Jess, would you like to take it away? To remind everyone what Name That Ship is, it is the segment of the podcast where one of the hosts brings a fanfic to the other hosts and like reads the tags and they have to guess what the ship is. And it is like being hit over the head with the price bus since we're bringing back, um, you know, oldies in, <laughs> in this podcast. I have to bring back price bus again. And um, just a reminder to don't go looking for these authors or bullying people. We're not trying to poke fun at anyone or, or be mean. This is all in good fun. And Fic Riders, I love you and appreciate you. <laughs> anyway, so the, the fic I have prepared is actually, it's part of a series. It's part of a series called My Little Diamond. I will read the tags for um, the first fic in this seven part series. It is character A slash character B, and then daddy kink, <laughs> implied sexual content, pampering, sexual tension, older man slash younger man. I guess it could be a sugar daddy, considered a sugar daddy at least. Diamonds are fun. AU inside of an AU, as always. And the summary is... Um, character B likes to spend his days off at his home. He likes to spend them with someone special. Can we talk about how Daddy yes. Kink is the second fucking tag? Claudia, do you yes. know what fic I'm talking about? Uh, um, Jess, um, this was one of my options for today, so I will be refraining from <laughs> guessing because I already know what this is. It was on my list. Someone yeah. also, someone's also sent this to me. So I have no idea even like where to begin. Like, is this? Are these characters who know each other canonically? No. <laughs> okay, but it is it is two men, right? Yeah. I feel like I heard that. Okay. Um, and is character A the sugar daddy or is character No, character B... A is the the younger man and character B is the sugar daddy. 
Is character A Owen Lars? No. Leave Owen Lars out of this. Get okay, away from him. Question. Can you tell us what era the character A is from? Character A is from the original trilogy. Is character B also from the original trilogy? No. Is character B from the Mandalorian? No. Is character B from the prequel trilogy? No. Are they from Rebels? No. <laughs> Are they from the sequels? No. Are they, Are from, they from Clone Wars? They're from Rogue One. Oh, no. Is it Cassian Andor? No. Is Luke is... Skywalker one of them? Yes. <laughs> the reason I asked is was this... because I did, I asked about the Mandalorian is because for a second I did think it was Luke Cuffman. Mel's about to one-shot it. <laughs> I'm really afraid that this is true at MOA <gasps> and Luke Skywalker. No. Is it Krennic and Luke Skywalker? Yes! <laughs> no! <laughs> Out of there. Get Orson away from that twink. This is like if Luke had been allowed to go to the academy. Bro, run. Can we talk about Luke Skywalker in his Lana Del Rey era? Because here's my pitch for how this works out. I refuse to know any more about this fake, but my speculation is that Luke is sitting on Tatooine and like finds his very first Lana song and it's like, I got I my red dress on tonight. No, literally he listens to Summertime Sadness and is like, wait a minute and that's when he leaves Tatooine and gets immediately pulled over and brought to fucking Krennic's office and Krennic is like I would like the twink and that's how this starts oh man okay so we've already done a um cursed pairing so I'm going to do one that is just a that shit um concept <laughs> it's an AU <laughs> um the the main ship of this is actually like a pretty common one nothing wrong with it um it's just the au that makes me feel crazy um okay so it is rated mature um it is the really there's just one relationship right one re- yeah there's one relationship which is character a and character b um the characters other than them are leia organa Ben Solo, Finn, Rose Tico, BB-8, R2-D2, C-3PO, Dio, Jessica Pava, Cara Dune. <laughs> is, what is it, she doing uh, here? Is this Din Luke? Uh, no, hold on, hold, hold on, hold on. Um, I, w- I will not give you what the AU is. I, I want you to try and guess that. Um, some other other tags to give you some flavor. Um. Modern AU is in there, but I wouldn't call it modern. Vermont is one of the tags. Um, Bernie? Bernie Sanders, ex reader? Then the one of the ships. My favorite Star Wars Um, character, Bernie Sanders. Slow burn, frenemies to lovers, humor, romance, kids being ridiculous, adventure, age difference, fluff, angst, healing, figuring things out. Um, The name of this. Film that it is an AU of freeform. Um, this film AU hurt, comfort, passionate kisses. There was only one bed. Uh, enemies to lovers, healthy love. Character A and character B are dorks. Minimal violence, minor character death. The problem is I only know like one movie that is set in Vermont. <laughs> it's this movie set in Vermont. Okay, the weird thing is I don't know why the tag Vermont is there because this film is not set in Vermont. And that is part of the reason why I brought this it's to you. Not, because 
it, it does. I think they just maybe took the concept out of the original. Okay, I was gonna it. say it's not Beetlejuice. Okay. okay, here's here's the okay. I'm sorry, it's an AU of an AU. The, <gasps> so hold on. So it we is, can't do AUception. Hold on. So the fill in this movie AU a wildly different version than the movie set in modern day Vermont. Character B is in the witness protection program. Cara Dune, the marshal, finds a safe place for character B to live and work at the character A A's estate, looking after six adopted children. <laughs> Not a sound of music, AU! <laughs> yes! Is the Ray sound is, of music is, in Vermont? <laughs> is, is, is Ray one of these people? Yes! Is um, Poe Dameron the other one? Wait, who are, the, who are the children? Wait, 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 wait. Um, while the captain flies missions for the First Order, 12th in a long line of nannies, the previous one only stayed two days. Will Ray win the children's trust and possibly the heart of a man? Ray hasn't belonged anywhere since before her father died, and Poe is still grieving the loss of his wife. The two buttheads to no end while simultaneously finding healing. Um, it is 21 chapters. Which one of the kids joins the fucking Nazi party? <laughs> Kids and well, the music join the Nazi No, but party. there's that one weird blonde side character who sings Wait, a song. the one who's like uh, that's the Liesl's only boyfriend. Yeah, um, who's the wife where that died quickly? Kylo fit into all of this. Actually, I, I, I have to look. Okay, the children and their ages. Rose is 16, so she's Liesl. Um No. Um, oh. 3PO is 14. 3PO. What's 3PO's <laughs> name? Is 3PO's name just 3PO? Percy Oliver the third. <laughs> um, BB, uh, BB-8 is 13, R2 is 11, his name is Arthur, that makes sense. That Wait, what's names. BB-8's name? Uh, Bernard. Um. Baby-8. <laughs> Dio is 7, and Jessica, Jessica Papa is 4. Dio? Dio oh, Brando? Jessica like, from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure? No! no. <laughs> Dio is a canon character. <laughs> He's the little motherfucking droid from Rise of Skywalker! Also, I don't He's know- like, don't touch me! I don't know why- Ben is texting her in in one of this. Remember, okay. he's in modern he from day the Vermont. Abbey? It's in modern day Vermont. Zori is also in it, and she's when the captain has a girlfriend uh, oh. in the Sound of Music. Um, oh my God. <laughs> so Finn. That I, that is what I'm looking for. <laughs> the wife um, maybe he was war. the wife no that way. passed away. I hope it's not. The idea of C three PO is the biological child of Finn Poe. That's my new fan cast is Christopher Plummer as Poe Dameron. Rip to an icon. Thank you so much for joining us this week for RuPaul's Pod Race. Episodes usually drop on Sundays. For updates, Star Wars news, and more girls shit, follow us on social media at RuPaul's Pod Race on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you really love the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't use it as your podcatcher, it is really helpful. Another thing, too, is what do you guys want to see from us? Uh, there's a lot of time left until the Book of Boba Fett, and we've got plenty of ideas, but we always love to hear what you guys think we should say. Uh, send us questions in our TikTok Q&A, tweet at us, DM us on Instagram, or send us an email at rupalpspodrace at gmail.com. May the force be with you, and don't criff it up. Waka waka. Waka waka. Waka waka. Uh, waka waka. Waka waka. waka, waka.